or Second Peter chapter one. <clears throat> Call your attention, please, to verse four. And Peter is saying this in verse four: "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, exceeding great and precious promises." Uh, you know, the Bible is full of promises, and every one of them is precious. Uh, every one of them is wonderful. Uh, and uh, we find here the promise of everlasting life. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, what? By these promises, God promised to save if we'd call. God promised to bless if we'd pray. Uh, God promised to help us if we would read uh, and to hide his word in our hearts. But these precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. That's salvation. Salvation, uh, when the Spirit of God comes to live in us because we have come to be saved and we get saved. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that the Holy Spirit moves inside of us and makes his abode there uh, never to leave, never to leave, never to leave. Uh, I, like I tell people, uh, you may break, you may break the fellowship with God, but you can't break the relationship with God. If you're saved, you're saved. Uh, and uh, you need to make sure of that. Peter warns us here uh, in this chapter, make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. Because in Matthew 7, it says that there are going to be a host of people uh, who thought they were saved, millions of them, hundreds of millions of them, that professed Christ, but he never knew them. He never knew them. I used to go all over the world witnessing, and, and, and I'd say, do you know Jesus? And I found out just about everybody did, uh, you know, in their mind. But when I asked them, does he know you? That's the important thing. Does he know you tonight? Or one day will he say to you, like he said in Matthew 7, I never knew you. I never knew you. Now that stops the, all of this saved and lost business. He would have to say, I knew you once, but don't know you now. If you could get saved and get lost and get saved again, uh, he would have to say, well, I knew you once. But I don't know you now. No, he said, I never knew you. And so tonight, I, I, I plead with you to do exactly what Peter said. Make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. As I said the other night, uh, 11 apostles, and not one of them said, I bet it's Judas. Judas looked like a Christian acted like a Christian, uh, and everybody had no question about his salvation, but he didn't have any salvation. He just had a pretense of it. Yep. He knew what to do to make people think he had it. Yes, uh, and uh, a lot of people are that way. Over the years, I've seen people saved 80 years old, 85 years old, that supposedly have been Christians for 40 years, uh, 50 years. Uh, I've seen preachers get saved, evangelists get saved. Uh, you know, I, I'm just begging you tonight. I don't get paid by the head, okay? So I'm not uh, pleading with you to make some kind of a decision about that. I'm just doing what Peter said, make your calling and election sure. Amen. Nail it down. Am I really saved? 
Am I really saved? Do I really know the Lord and does the Lord know me? And so he said in verse 4, at all these things. And then in verse 5, he said, and besides this, giving all diligence. All diligence. All diligence. What do you think of when you think of diligence? Do you think of somebody uh, that is lazy? Somebody that's just kind of nonchalant and, and just does what they have to to get by and so forth? No, that's not what you think of. You think of somebody that's on time. You think of somebody uh, that's honest. You think of somebody that's trustworthy. You think of somebody that's punctual. Uh, you, you think of somebody that works at the thing of being what he says he is. Uh, and what she says that she is. At diligence. He said, and with all diligence, add. Start adding. Start adding. The Christian life is a life of addition. Yes. The life of addition. Brother yes, Proctor, I think from talking to uh, my wife, who talks to your wife sometimes, that you are an electrician. Is that right? A plumber? plumber yes. Okay, you're a plumber. I'm sorry to insult you like that. <laughs> Would you, how long have you been a plumber? 22 years. 22 years. Would you say uh, that at five years you were a better plumber than you were the first year? Sure, absolutely. Would you say that at 10 years you were a better plumber than you were at five years? Absolutely. Would you say at 15 that you were better than at 10? Now it's 22. And would you say that you are a better plumber than you were at 15? Sure. Sure. Uh, Does that surprise you? Well, then are we a better Christian than we were five years ago? I I think the greatest comment that, that people give to me is, Brother Williams, you're a better preacher than you were last time I heard you. Uh, to me, that's a great compliment. If I ever quit growing, something is wrong. If I ever quit getting further from God or getting closer, if I don't, if I don't keep getting closer and closer to God, something's the matter. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Uh, and, and I could go uh, to Brother Vasek, who worked 504 years at the same place down here. Uh, <laughs> seemed like, anyway, 57, was it? Uh, 57 years. Would you say you were a better worker for them at, at five years than you were when you started? Yes, sir. And, and maybe better at 20 than you were then? And, and right on up? Yeah, and, uh, uh, you, you know, and I could ask all you men that. And I could ask you ladies, uh, ma'am, do you think you're a better, well, no. Do you think she's a better? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yeah. Of course. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, the women grow in cooking. They, they become, I hope they do. Uh, they, they get to be a better cook and a better cook and a better cook and a better cook and a better cook. More recipes, more thoughts, more care, uh, and, and uh, more devices and so forth. Uh, and, you know, if that happens, then it ought to happen spiritually. The Christian life is a life of addition. Brother Joe, would you say that you know more about the Bible? Uh, when, when did you start preaching? Sir? When I was 12. You was 12? Yes, sir. Okay. 12? Yes, sir. My soul lived. <laughs> now he's 14. 
Would you say that you're a better preacher at 20 than you were at 12? Yes, sir. At 30 yes, sir. than you were at 20? Yes, sir. Do you think you're a better preacher than when you graduated from Bible college? I hope so, yes, sir. Yeah. Would you say you're a better pastor than you were 10 years ago? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It just happens. If it happens physically, emotionally, it ought to happen spiritually. Yes, sir. Amen. And when it doesn't, you should get really concerned. You, you, could, you, you should say, man, what is the matter with me? Something's wrong. Now let's watch, and I'll, I'll be quick tonight. Uh, and besides this, giving, no, I may not be. Uh, and, and besides this, giving all diligence, add what? Faith. Add to your faith. Faith is salvation. Faith is salvation. Okay, and now he said you add to that, what? Virtue, virtue. Uh, do you know what I mean when I say some things are encapsulated? Uh, if, I, if I were to hold uh, a certain seed up here tonight, uh, you, can, you couldn't see it. You, you could see the seed, but there's a flower in that seed. There's a flower in there. If I were to hold an orange seed up here, there's an orange inside of that seed capsulated in there, but you cannot see the orange. And beloved, when you talk about being saved, there's some things that are automatically encapsulated. One is virtue. Virtue. If just as the flower is inside the seed, the orange is inside the seed, virtue goes with salvation. Just like marriage, just like marriage, you get married and you want a virtuous wife. You want a wife that loves only you. You want a husband that loves only you. Virtue is that you are set aside, completely separated unto a certain thing or a certain person. You see, you don't just turn from sin at salvation. You turn to God. You turn to God. Not just turn from something. You turn to something. You don't just quit uh, when you get married. You don't just quit like in other women. You begin to love a woman that you have all the time now. And it's wonderful as that love grows and multiplies and she is fulfilled with having somebody that loves her and the man is fulfilled. And that, you see, virtuous living comes with marriage. It shuts out everything else. It shuts out everybody else. And salvation does the same thing. Virtuous. We belong only to Christ. We belong only to God the Father. And we need to understand that. This, I, like what, I like what two young ladies did. They got saved and they got an invitation to the high school prom from two boys. And they flipped them over and wrote deceased and mailed them back to them. That's Bible. We die to this world and live to Christ. We die to the world and live to Christ. Paul said what? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
And so tonight here he said, add virtue or let virtue come out in you. He said, and to virtue, knowledge. And that's why I beg you, that's why I say to you over and over, get in the book. Get in the book. Get in the book. I know preachers that study Jehovah's Witness, they study Mormonism. I don't need any of that. I don't need to know what the Mormons believe. I don't need to know what the JWs believe. I don't need to know what the Christian science believe. I don't need to know, uh, my friend, what the Church of Christ believes. What I need to know is this book so well, I'll never believe what they believe. That's right. Amen. And that's why we need to digest this book. We need to literally digest the Word of God. You read it and read it and read it till it becomes a part of you. Till it becomes automatic. This is not, you know, it used to, when I was first saved, they had sword drills. And they'd say, hold up your sword. No, that's not it. That's not your sword that you're holding in your lap. That's the Spirit's sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you need to know that. You need to put God's word in your heart. That's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Over in the the country of Israel, I've seen them uh, when I was there. And they used to be a little lamp. Uh, and uh, it was about this tall and it had a handle like this that your foot slipped into and they would fill it with oil, light the lamp, put one on each foot and that's how they went somewhere at night. They didn't have flashlights and yard lights and all the other, but David said, it's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. And the only way, the only way that you're going to continue to walk with God and walk the way God walks is to have the light of the gospel leading you and providing the right guidance for you. The only thing that you're going to have that's going to help you with it is that you have the word of God in your life. The word of God in your life and in your family's life. In your family's life. And, and I say to you men tonight, God didn't ask your wife to head the house. God didn't ask your wife to see that everybody was in church. God didn't ask your wife to see that your children know the Bible. No, that's your responsibility, sir. Uh, that's your responsibility is to do that uh, and to take care of the situation in that in getting the word of God into your wife's heart. See, God isn't going to ask my wife, why did you believe what you believe? He's going to ask me why she believed that. I'm supposed to see that she knows the word of God. That's why God said for women not to preach in the church and not all of that. Said when you get home, ask your husband. Ask your husband. And so you need to be a husband that can be asked. That can be asked and they can put bank on you because you've been in the Bible. You get the Bible in you and you get the Bible inside of you and you live the Bible and walk the Bible. And the Bible says to virtue you add knowledge. 
And the only knowledge there is, is the Bible. You will never know anything more about God than what the Bible teaches. There is no other book that knows about God. There's no other book that God has given to us by His Spirit that teaches us who He is, what He is, how what pleases Him, what displeases Him, and we need to get in the Bible. Yes. And that's why I that's why I beg you to get some of these things back there, and you ought to order uh, the Bible challenge and get that in your home, where the man just reads the Bible all day long in your home. Uh, it, it'll run the devil right out of your house. There's power in the Word of God. Yeah, the Bible says it's strength to your navel and health to your bones. Uh, it'll bring peace to you, and peace is always healing. It'll give you joy, and joy causes you to just feel better all the time. And, and so you need to get the Word of God inside of you. You need to get it in your home. You need to get it in your heart. You need to get it into the heart of your family. He said, add knowledge to virtue. And you say, well, preacher, how do we study the Word of God? Talk to that man right over there. He'll put you right on the right track. He'll, he'll help you get some books. You see, uh, when, when I got saved and God called me to preach two weeks later, I had three books that I had. I had my Bible, I had an Unger's Bible Dictionary, and I had a Strong's Concordance. And what I basically know about this Bible, I learned from those three books on my wife's adjustable ironing board because that was the only desk I had. And I would work all day long, 12, 14 hours a day. And I mean work. I mean work. I had the second largest Coke route in the Los Angeles Basin, which is the largest Coke franchise in the world. Uh, and I moved 200,000 pounds of Coke uh, by myself every single week out on the truck docks and everywhere else. Uh, and I mean run. I mean I ran from morning till night. Drove an hour and a half to work, hour and 45 minutes home. On They only had one freeway in all of Southern California. Uh, and the yeah, bumper to bumper uh, parking lot, that's what it was. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can do for God what you want to do. Yes. You, you can do for God what you want to do. And you need to get in this book and get this book in you. Jesus said, if my word abides in you and you abide in my word, he said, ask what you will. Ask what you will. Uh, and so we find here tonight, he said, add knowledge, add knowledge, add knowledge, add knowledge. And then he says, to knowledge, temperance. That's self-control, balance, balance. The greatest word that I've ever learned in my salvation experience is the word balance. Balance is so important. What all you ladies want your checkbook to do? Huh? Yeah, balance. I said, yeah. I can't figure this dumb thing out. It won't balance, you know. Uh, and, you know, you're going down the road in your car about 70 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. And you know what happened? A little old thing about that long on your front tire fell off called a balance weight. Doesn't have to be one of the great big ones. Just a little one, you got pop, 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 pop. And, and, you know, you want your tires to balance. You want your checkbooks to balance. And, you know, don't you want your scale to balance? <laughs> uh, yeah. One scale said to the guy on it, get on one at a time, please. 
you, you know, no, no, look, balance is so important. It's so important. You need balance in how you raise your children. You need balance in, in, in how you conduct your business. You need balance in how you control your time. Uh, and, and that's what this word, uh, add to temperance, he said. Uh, add that. And that's balance. That's self-control. And you need to balance your time. Balance your time. You see, there's time. There's time to play but there's also time to pray. That's what Jeremiah tells us in the book of the Lamentation. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to dance. There's a time uh, to love. There's a time to die, a time to be born. Yeah, everything has a time, and we need to balance that. We need to, to put those things in their category and, and keep a balance in our life of, of, of the things. Uh, I tell preachers all the time, uh, you know, s- study a little bit under this guy. Okay, you don't like him? Study anyway. He'll challenge you. He'll challenge you. Uh, and and uh, you, you need to study that. I'm not talking about some crook or some liberal. I'm just talking about somebody like A.W. Pink. He, he'll, he, he'll, he'll challenge you. Uh, you know, is this really the truth or not? Uh, and he'll make you get in the Word of God. Uh, and, and so forth. Uh, and uh, you study Spurgeon. Spurgeon will, will, will cause you to understand uh, that this thing can be difficult to understand. Uh, and, and so forth. So uh, you, you need to do that. Uh, and you need to balance out uh, in those things. And then he said uh, to, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience. Boy, that's the one we don't like. That's the one we don't like. Patience, patience, patience. You know, Job was known for a lot of things, but down at the end of the Bible, God said, remember the patience of Job. Remember the patience of Job. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, having boils in your eyes, in your nose, up in it, inside of your mouth, down between your lips and your teeth, front, top, and bottom, uh, all over your tongue, all the way down your neck. You couldn't put down either arms because you've got huge boils under each arm. They are between your toes. They're between your legs. They're in the bend of your leg in the back. The Bible said that Job Job had boils. I don't know if you've ever had a boil or not. Uh, They are the sorest thing in the world. They are the hurtingest thing in all the world. I used to have them when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, oh my goodness, uh, uh, just unbelievable pain and so forth. Uh, and, and Job had them in his eyes, in his nostrils, in his uh, on top of his head, on the back of his head, under his arm, back of his legs, up the back of his arms, uh, in his in his toes, under his feet. Uh, and the Bible said he never, he never sinned with his lips. He never cursed God. He never accused God uh, of it falsely. Uh, you know, his wife come out and she said, man, curse God and die. He said, oh, foolish woman, shall we not receive good at God's hand and evil also? Can you take it like that? You know, when my wife, my second wife got sick uh, and here's this little crumple figure down to 84 pounds and like this, and like that, and, and, and you know, there she was, 
legs turned in uh, till the knees met, feet, feet turned straight down off her legs, toes curled back up under her feet. They said, there's no use doing any therapy on her. She can't live. She's going to die. Uh, and this is what I took home and laid in the back bed of our motor home because that's the only home we had. And it took me, I'm honest with you, it took me three months. And one morning at 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning, I'll never forget, I walked out under the Denver sky and I looked up and I said, thank you that she's sick. Thank you she looks like she does. Because my Bible says, give thanks in everything. And sometimes that's a little tough. Do you know what it takes to do that? Patience. Just waiting on God. Just waiting on God. And, you know, we, we want God to do everything in a hurry. We want God to do it right now, God. Right now. And, and I don't want to go through anything. I, I don't want to have to do this. Uh, you know, the job you do, it takes patience if you're going to do it right. It takes patience. Sometimes, uh, 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 Brother could tell you that not every pipe comes unstopped, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, and uh, Grandpa could tell you that not everything went right down at the shop. And, uh, and uh, Pastor could tell you, uh, you know, you start studying for sermons and they don't just tumble out. Uh, and uh, you have to wait on God sometime right till the last minute. Uh, and uh, you, you folks that play the piano, you remember the patience. And I, I remember our children, uh, Tim played the trombone, and uh, Phyllis played the piano, and Penny played the cornet, uh, and uh, Paul played the saxophone. And boy, you talk about them practicing. They practiced at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, boy, you learn patience. They're going to learn. They, they'll play harmony one day. I know they will. Please. <laughs> you know. Uh, and so you need patience. You need patience. You, you, you know, it, it's like when a little baby's born. You know, we say, you little angel. It's just a little angel. Oh, I just love you. And they get up big enough to crawl, and they crawl over to the cabinet, open the door, spill the sugar, uh, you know, and, and turn out the flour and do all that. You say, you little devil, you better quit that, uh, you know. Uh, it don't take long to change, figure out where they came from, you know. Uh, and, and, but you, you need to understand it takes patience to raise children. Yeah. I was in one home one time, I'll never forget it, and I was waiting, talking with a husband, waiting for his wife to get supper ready because we had to go to church pretty quick. Uh, and they had three little kids, and they were being a little bit noisy and playing on the living room floor, and the, and the husband and I were in there on the living room trying to talk, and this woman came in, and so help me, I'm telling you the truth. She said, don't yell in this house! <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> I'm sure they won't after that tremendous example. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're so stupid. Sometimes it hurts. I'll beat you to death. <laughs> you know, what'd you do with that screwdriver, you little nut? <laughs> Why don't you remember back of the four you lost and your dad had no idea where they were? <laughs> uh, you know, patience. Just patience. Wonderful, wonderful patience. And, and you, God says you need to add that after you've got temperance, add patience, and 
You know, the first time I ever really studied this portion of Scripture, I like to faint it. I really did. I came down here, and it says you get saved, and then you add virtue, and then you add knowledge, and then you add temperance, and then you add patience. And then it said, add godliness. And I said, how can that be? How can that be? You see, ladies and gentlemen, what God is saying, till you have salvation and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience, you're not godly. You're not godly. You're not godly. Because then he says, add godliness. Godliness is not a haircut. Godliness is not a certain diet. Godliness, my friend, is not some little doodle that you wear or don't wear. Godliness is being like God. You want a description of what God's like? God is kind. God is long-suffering. God is patient. God is understanding. God is tender. And, and on and on and on. Are you those things? Are you those things? If you're not, you're not godly. You're not godly. It said add godliness. Godliness. God loves. Do you love? Do you love? You know what the Bible says? Love suffereth long. What the Bible says? Love never fails. I have married couples come for counseling, and, and you know, she said, I just don't love him anymore. He may say, I just don't love her anymore. I, you know what I do? This is my standard answer. <laughs> what do you think? Love is a light switch? You turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. No. You may can hurt love, but you can't kill it. God says love never fails. If you ever loved you still love. If you ever, he didn't tell, uh, preachers will get up and preach on, on Revelation chapter 2, and, and I just heard one last week, and, and he said, you, you know, uh, look at the church at Ephesus, God said, you lost your first love. God didn't say any such thing. He said, you left your first love. You left it, you didn't lose it, you can't lose love. You can't kill love. You can't destroy love. If you ever love, you still love. You may have hurt it. You may have damaged it. But it's there. And it needs to be nourished. And it needs to be encouraged. And it needs to be helped. And God said, to all of this, you had godliness. And then he said, to godliness, brotherly kindness. Turn back just, just one page there uh, to 1 Peter chapter 3, would you? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. And Peter said it this way. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rending evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. And God said, that's what you do. Brotherly love, brotherly kindness, he says here. You add brotherly kindness 
Brotherly kindness. That means you love each other. Hereby shall men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One another. And you say, well, you, you know, preacher, some people are hard to love. I, yeah, I understand that. I'm probably one of them. Uh, you know, that's hard to love uh, and all of that. But I'm just saying to you that love finds a way. You ever heard that? Love finds a way. Love finds a way to love. And God says that you love one another. You know, find something good about it and just love them. Just love them, you see. Uh, and you need to understand uh, that uh, not everybody is going to thrill you. Not everybody's going to be your number one friend. Not everybody. But as a Christian, as a Christian that's added these things and added these things and added these things, you will have developed the capability in your life to love even your enemy, Christ said. Love those that despitefully use you. Love those that curse you. What did he do? They're nailing him to the cross. They've stripped him naked in front of his mother. They're spitting all over his body and crying, come down, you saved others, save yourself. And you know what he did? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And he's given us that ability as we develop our Christian life. He told us what to add and what to add and what to add and brings us to the place of brotherly kindness. Where we, as Peter said in First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 there, where we can love and we don't rail for rail and we don't give evil for evil. We do that which God said. And so we need this so desperately to do that. And then he said to brotherly kindness, charity. That's an interesting word there. Because what it's saying is this. I learned to love Brother Joe as my brother in Christ. And if I really perform that and really get to that point, then charity is loving God. I'll never love God till I love him. That's what the Bible says. Yes, How can you love God whom you have not seen when you can't love your brother whom you have seen? Yes. I'll never love God till I love him. I'll never love God till I love his daddy. I'll never learn God until I learn to love Brother Bambico. I'll never love God until I learn to love you. That's what he says yes, in his word. I didn't write the book. He said, you, how can you love God whom you have not seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen? Impossible. Impossible. You know, women come to me and say, Dr. Williams, I, I don't obey my husband, but I obey God. I said, hold that one minute. Just a minute. How, how is that possible? God's the one that told you to obey your husband. If you don't obey your husband, you can't obey God because God told you to obey your husband. No, look, God said you can't love me till you can love your brother. And you really need to think, do I really love? Do I, do I just mouth some words or do I love the brethren? Do I love the other Christians in our church. 
Do I love them? And God said, this is the ultimate, is that if you love them, then charity here is the word that is God's love. That is, we then can get past this love here of the brethren and love God. And love God. Did you know God aches for love? God wants your love. You know how you like it. Uh, you know, I was watching Brother Proctor, and his boy was laying kind of over like that, and, and uh, you don't know, and he had his head resting on his uh, on his shoulder there. And, and you know, I didn't ask him, but he was eating that up. Yeah, that's how you get out of your dad what you want, son. Just kind of <laughs> snuggle up over there. Yeah, that, that works real good. Uh, and, and and that works real good, young lady. If you just come in and just say, "Hi, Dad. You sure look good, Dad." You know. That one hair is still there, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and so on. Uh, and, you know, that's why God loved David. David said, you're big, you're wonderful, you're great. There's nobody like you. You're my high tower. You're my castle. You're my bulwark. You're my protector. You're my provider. God said, I like that guy. Because David had learned to love God. David had learned to love God. How long has it been since you just kind of snuggled up to God and said, I don't want anything, Father. I don't want anything. I just want to tell you, I sure am in love with you. I sure am in love with you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Boy, they love to hear that. You see, God needs you. God created us to fellowship with him. What's the chief end and purpose to man? To glorify God. Yeah, just to build God up. Just to make him understand how we look at him as glorious and wonderful and holy and righteous and kind and thoughtful and gracious. And that's how we need to see our Heavenly Father and how we need to see our Savior. And so tonight, he says that. Then he said, if you lack these things, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You get these things in your life, and the knowledge of God will flow in like a river. Will flow in like a river. Then he said, if you don't, if you don't, but he that lacketh these things is blind, is blind. You're not lost. You're still saved, but you're just blind. You stumble along. You get nothing done. You can't lead anybody else. The blind cannot lead the blind. Jesus said they'll both fall in the ditch. No. And he said, you lacketh these things. You're blind and you can't see afar off. And you have forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. If you don't grow, if you don't grow, if you don't grow, like these men have grown in their business and, they're, and knowing that and his pastor has grown in the ministry and a better preacher and a better pastor and, a, and all of this. Uh, if you don't grow, if you don't grow, you will even forget, Peter said, that you got saved. You will doubt. And we constantly run into people. I just don't know if I'm saved or not, preacher. 
I just don't know. You know, you know why you don't know? It's because you don't live like you are. You're not growing. You're not adding. You're not going. The Christian life is a life of addition. Not just so you can say something, but to grow. You cannot grow without physical food, and you cannot grow without spiritual food. And just get in the book and get the book in you. Our Father tonight, thank you.